0: Listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate.
1: Hey everyone, Chris Lopez here, and welcome to another podcast episode. Today, we'll be doing a deal analysis on a six-unit multifamily in Aurora that we helped an out-of-state investor close on in quarter three, twenty
0: twenty. And here to talk to me about it is Preston Newberry. Preston, how's it going? It's going great, Chris. Thanks for having me back in the studio. I'm looking forward to talking about this deal. This was kind of a, a crazy one as the uh, timing coincided with a lot of the uh, 2020 events of the COVID situation. So working with an out-of-state client and uh, tenant-occupied property while all this was going on uh, definitely added some complexity to the situation for sure. That that was
1: very well said and an understatement. So yes, but it actually turned out to be just, I mean, I think a really good deal, especially with all the stuff going on. So, Preston, kind of give the overview on the property, the background, all that stuff.
0: Yeah. So, this property um, was one that had been sitting on the MLS for a while. I think just timing with everything that had happened kind of made it a little bit stagnant. Um, initially, I think it was overpriced a little bit as well, but um, you know, it was a very reasonable seller. Obviously, you know, they were looking to to get top dollar out of it, but knew knew where the market was and what was going on. And um, whenever we kind of reached out to them and uh, and chatted with them, it was clear to me that they were a very experienced seller and somebody that cared very much about their property. Turns out, they have many, many hundreds of units around town. Um, and so they were just moving this one to, to 1031 and to do some other things with their portfolio. So um, we know this area very, very well. We do a lot of deals over in this area, particular mm-hmm. on this one street even. Um, and so, you know, it was just a, a fit that worked out well and everybody was kind of on the same page to just get the deal done and do what we, whatever we had to do to make it happen. So...
1: And our client, he's an out of state investor with experience in you know the five plus commercial space or multifamily space yep. commercial world. He's done quite a few rehabs, knows how to like handle those projects. So that's another thing that made it, you know a deal we could do is that he was looking for a project where there was some value add. and this fit the bill and so we're we'll able to put it together. So getting into some more of the details here, let's talk about the actual layout of the property because This is always interesting to me in multifamily. Hey, what's the layout? Is it up, down? How many units? How many bedrooms? How many baths? Give us, you know, paint us a picture of
0: walking the property. Yeah, so um, six units. Basically, the four interior units um, are going to be the two bed, one bath units. Um, so those are going to be you know two units up, two units down, and then in capping the building is going to be the larger three bed units. So really a nice layout um, done very very well, and the tent or the, the seller has taken really really good care of this property. Um, as I mentioned, they uh, they have a lot of units around town, and it was something that they held near and dear to their heart, and definitely you know did the right thing. So um, the cool thing about it. I mean, it had solar, um, you know, really good landscaping. And parking. the solar is a very unique, I mean, that's the first time I've seen it on That's the first a deal I've done, yeah, in an investment property that yeah. had that. Um, so, again, it was a lot of the little things that just kind of added some value and added, you know, some um, desire for this property. So, worked out well. What I liked about it was the location,
1: uh, the fact that I was in good shape, and there were a couple three-bedroom, two-bathroom units. Definitely, those three-bedroom, two-bath units are more the minority when it comes to you know buying in multis. A lot are you know one ones, two ones, yep. three twos are just
0: a lot upside there. And it's always nice to have a little bit of a unit mix, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, obviously we come across a lot of stuff where all the units are the same, and so just adds to the viability of the, the building and and being able to increase rent and do that stuff when you have a little bit of a different unit mix.
1: And what was the value add play there? Because I know, if I recall, correctly, I think the there was some value there with rents and some updating the the units. What yeah, was so, the play there?
0: Um, nothing too crazy. And that was a nice thing. It was just a nice, easy, you know, kind of go in and update some units. Whenever the seller purchased it, I think it was eight or nine years ago, they had gone, on, gone in and done a lot of updating at that point. So, um, you know, it wasn't like it was straight from the 1950s or 60s when the building was built and needed to be completely redone, uh, mostly just a lot of cosmetic stuff. Um, so, you know, it wasn't going to be anything that was super crazy, but also along with that, you're going to be able to increase rents quite a bit. And that was the the captivating upside for us here on this one was knowing, hey, we can go in, do a little bit of updating. It's not going to cost a lot of money relatively, you know, compared to what we're seeing out there right now. And the upside was was going to be able to get it above or at least, you know, at market rents and really increase the cash flow for the buyer.
1: And so this property was listed right around the the mid nines. Yep. And which and we actually got it in contract the final price around the mid eights. So almost about $100,000 less than what the original purchase pr- or the uh, original list price was. And as you said probably overpriced a little bit but the i think the real double whammy was it got listed what right
0: before covid yeah it was listed and right that, before covid um, the curve and it. that just put everybody you know the, the brakes on everybody for for looking at a lot of stuff and so um you know we, we watched it i had seen this property come on the market and when i originally saw it you know kind of overlooked it a little bit just because i knew it was overpriced um and then you know as things started to move and and uh the economy came back around a little bit, you know, we and just so kinda, did commercial lending. Yeah. And so did commercial lending. Yeah. Um, we kind of took a second look at it and I reached out to the seller because I knew it would be a really good fit for our client. Um, and we were able to put a deal together that was every was happy, was good for everybody. And so let's actually talk about, um, you know, you got under contract, negotiated a very good price on there. And of course, one of those things, nobody had made an offer on it until we decided to put an offer in. And then all of a sudden, you know, somebody else wants it too. So we were competing, I think with at least one, if not two other offers. Um, But that was kind of the nice thing is that we had a a good reputation and, and, you know, good relationship with the seller. So we were able to get it under contract. What was the
1: inspection process like? Because hey, multifamily has a lot of investors and listeners know multifamilies usually come with a a mixed bag and Mm -hmm. a lot of times deferred maintenance.
0: Yeah, so um, again, just circling back around to how well these guys had taken care of this property because they cared for it so much, um, there were not a lot of major issues with this place. We obviously went in and did our inspection, but knowing we were going to go in, or at least the, the buyer was going to go in and rehab the units, um, you know, a lot of the minor stuff was not an issue. We just wanted to make sure roof, sewer, electrical, the major systems in the in the property were were good. Um, the only thing that came up to us was a little bit of a sewer line issue. Um, and seller was very amicable. We you know agreed on some terms to settle that and move on with everything. So that was really the only issue we had. Um, and you a concession incident. for the sewer. Yep, we the just got a concession. concession. We basically split it. Because because um, it wasn't something that needed to be repaired right away, but was going to need to be taken care of at some point in the future. So, um, you know, we just kind of came to an agreement and everybody's happy with it. All right. So talking about the financing side, uh, as we've mentioned in in previous podcasts,
1: everyone knows, you know, what's happened with residential rates and probably with commercial lending. Commercial lending took the biggest Roller coaster I mean, ride through yeah, COVID? Yeah,
0: Basically went to a brick wall for a minute.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, about six to eight weeks, it seemed like yep. that world kind of froze. And we were getting some, I mean, some crazy quotes from banks. Um, luckily, you know, we were able to just dig through our network and one of our he's now become our go-to commercial guy. He's a commercial broker, has relationships with banks around town and knows how to find the right bank that has the right uh, risk appetite and portfolio need from their lending aspect based on the property and also based on the buyer, whether he's in state, out of state, what his profile, her profile is and, like.
0: And that's the nice thing about working with him is yeah. he very much has the same mindset that we do when we work with our clients in finding a property. He takes that same um, same process and applies it to the loan side so that you're not just locked into one box. We can go find a lender that's gonna be a really good fit for that property and that buyer.
1: And actually for this one, uh, interesting enough, we'd actually gotten a quote from someone actually being another bank we've done deals with in the past and they were saying it's all good um and then on like three or four days after they
0: yeah I think we got about a week into the process and uh got an email from them that hey our credit department has basically said we're not taking on any new business right now like we can't do this yeah um which so, is never what you want to hear no not at all um uh but luckily our our lending partner was able to pivot and go find a new uh a new bank to work with a new lending partner for them um and everything you know basically went on down the road we were able to close still on our original closing date um which was great. And
1: the other thing I'll mention is this is just, you know, kind of the, the nuance of the contract is that, you know, as you were, you know, managing and putting the contract together, you're on top of dates and deadlines. We are ahead of like some financing uh, terminations, all those due diligence stuff. So like that's always, you know. What we want to make sure our clients in position for as well.
0: Yep, we're always there to protect our clients and their earnest money and make sure we do the best job for them. And you know, a lot of that just comes down to communicating, right? If you let the other side know what's going on, hey, here's where we're at. Um, you know, everybody, you know, is on the same page. At the end of the day, we just want to get a deal done. We want to make a win-win for everybody.
1: And so, I mean, I was, you know, with this deal, for the ones we've done, I've been very pleasantly impressed with some of the terms we've seen in the commercial lending world because a lot of them are kind of similar to what they were before COVID at this point. Yep. So this one uh, came in right around about three and three quarter percent interest rate on a 30 year amortization, but three years fixed, but no pre-payment penalty, which is important for our client here because he was gonna come in, come in and as units turned, come in and start rehabbing them, yep. update them, raise the rents, stabilize it, and then wants to do a longer term you know, financing piece, whether it's pull out money or non-recourse loan, Oh, that happens if you have a, a three, two, one, a lot of times you're tiered prepayment penalties. Mm-hmm. When you go to refinance, that can be a pretty, be a big, pretty chunk big chunk of money. Of money.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, again, that's the other nice thing about having a lending partner that understands what the game plan is and what's going on and knowing that, hey, this is going to be kind of a short-term thing. I mean, it's going to be 12 to 18 months max uh, and that they're going to go in and refinance. And so, um, you know... When you look at it in that way, you know interest rate and in some of those terms aren't as important, but being able to make sure that you've got a good exit strategy for when you do go to refinance. Yes.
1: So we're going to go through the spreadsheet now. We're going to go through the current, which is kind of the as-is when our client purchased it. We'll run through those numbers, and we'll kind of go through what the pro formas we expect to be are and how that plays out. So... To keep it simple, just for as we describe this over a podcast and in the blog post, we're using Joe's rental spreadsheet. And we're just plugging the numbers in here because it still shows cash flow and cap rates, which are the important things, without getting into the really advanced spreadsheets, which will put some people asleep while listening to a podcast. So plugged in 25% down payment, purchase price around the mid-eights, um, total cash investment, right around a quarter million dollars. Plugged in the interest rate of three, you know, 3.7 now in the rents here we have about 6900 in total rents and about 130 dollars a month in that's uh laundry income. laundry right? income yep. yeah
0: that was the other nice thing actually i didn't mention this previously but the uh, the added bonus to this building was it did did, did have laundry um which like is like a awesome. laundry room yeah or? it had okay. a laundry room um down so in the corner yep so um just another added bonus for the buyer
1: so all together about seventy one hundred dollars in gross rent and laundry income We plugged in our standard 5% vacancy, 3% rent, 3% appreciation, standard assumptions we use. We plugged in uh, property management. Again, 10% is what we use here, being very conservative.
0: Very conservative. Actual PM cost is what, about 7% on here? Yep, 6 to 8, depending on who you use and kind of how it plays out. But yeah, we always like to be conservative. Why do we round up? Uh, because you're going to have other additional fees, right, that we can't take into account with a percentage point. So at that point, you know, hey, you're going to have lease-up fees, you're going to have turn costs, some of those things. So again, let's err on the side of caution.
1: And that's our just kind of keep it simple, stupid underwriting, keep it really simple for math. And we found rounding up a few points works out pretty good. Uh, we put an 8% there for just general repairs, reserves, and capex, which it sounds like since this is in pretty good shape... Expectations going and rehab the units. I mean, they'll probably be less than that. I Again, would definitely
0: expect it to be a lot less. You know, being a, a solid brick structure, you know, minimal landscaping, parking lot was in good shape. I think you know they'll be pleasantly surprised with you know lower maintenance reserves.
1: Uh, no HOA taxes, about seventy three hundred. Insurance is about thirty three hundred dollars a year. Utilities, uh, water and sewers, about forty eight hundred dollars a year. And I'm assuming it's like most multi's, it was just one water sewer tap, right?
0: Correct. How was the electric and gas? Are those individually meters? One meter? Um, so gas and electric were both individually metered um, because of the solar and all that stuff going on. They weren't doing any kind of a rub system. It was basically just uh, included in their leases and paid by the owner. And but it's still all individual electric. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh,
1: that's yeah. The solar is definitely an interesting yeah curveball. It's, it's a little bit of a curveball. Yeah. Yeah. So for trash, about twenty-five hundred dollars a year. I'm assuming that's probably dumpster service, right? Correct. Uh, about $3,000 for uh, Excel, so gas, electric, common areas, I guess, whatever. You know, mostly probably gas bills for that. It's mostly going to be gas, yeah. And about $1,200 a year for landscaping. Is that snow removal in general just...
0: Yeah, so this was another kind of interesting thing is that uh, the previous seller um, would actually employ one of the tenants to do the snow removal, landscaping, you know, lawn mowing, watering, all that kind of stuff, um, and worked out a deal with them depending on what season it was and what work they were doing to give them a credit on their rent. So this is actual numbers as to what they equated to and and what they provided for them.
1: All right, so going to the rent analysis, this is going to be about... $8,800 $8,800 a year in annual cash flow before taxes. And I'll back this up one step, it's gonna be about 43,500 in net operating income, minus about 35,000 in you know mortgage servicing, mortgage debt, leaves you with about $8,800 in cash flow before taxes. So a 4.1% cash on cash return and a 5.2% cap rate, which in Denver market, still pretty good numbers. It's actually, so as
0: yeah, it's, it's pretty average. I yeah. mean, it's not bad. Um, and that was, you know, one of the nice things here is that even if they decided to do nothing, they still knew that they were gonna have a, a decently performing property.
1: And there's a chance where they knew this, hey, if we go in there and wanna, you know, turn the units, it might take, everything's gonna take a little bit longer now because of COVID yep. and, and, you know, all this stuff. So hey, great, if the if the turn times take longer, they are still sitting in the, you know, the property's paying for itself, still positive, making money. and everything's very conservative numbers. So yep. yeah, it's great. So altogether about a 5.2% cap rate, and this is the current, so let's walk through the pro forma. So same spreadsheet, pretty much all the same numbers, but we'll just highlight a few differences here. We put about forty thousand in there for the initial repair cost. Correct. And what was the scope of work for the repair cost?
0: Uh, I mean, most of it's just going to be kind of paint, carpet, um, you know, some of the cosmetic stuff. There's really nothing major that they have to do, um, and so you know, I think it's going to be pretty easy to to scale that up with you know, um, getting all the same finishes inside each unit. Maybe end up doing some kitchen cabinets in, in a couple of them, but overall it's gonna be pretty pretty light touch up stuff.
1: And then we have all the total rinse at about eighty one hundred, which is about what eleven hundred, twelve hundred dollars more than the current, mm-hmm. I think. Um, so a nice rent bump up there, and I think we actually underwrote those pretty conservative still with those numbers we underwrote. We did, right?
0: especially knowing we were going into some COVID times and not wanting to, you know, be too hot, har- too far in the sky with rent numbers. But yeah, very conservative.
1: Yeah, and these were rent numbers that our, our property manager Ellie at uh, Arrowood, you know, gave us, and again more on the conservative side. We'd always rather be like, hey, kind of here's the realistic conservative, and hopefully we're a little bit above it. Yep. But we like to. Realistic and conservative is our motto, uh, and then with the laundry income, which would say about the same, right? Yeah, we just kept that the same. Uh, altogether, you know, gross income is around eighty-two fifty. So that's a good eleven, twelve hundred dollars above. I think the current one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the other assumptions are the same. Just change initial repair cost, update the rents. As far as property management, still ten percent repairs reserves, eight percent taxes, insurance, utilities, all that stayed exactly the same. So going into the pro forma cash flow tab here, the NOI bumps up quite a bit to about 54,000. Mortgage debt is staying the same because this is still assuming the original loan that he used to purchase a property before doing a refinance. Correct. That's in the future, you know, a lot harder to judge. But all that creates about a $19,000 annual cash flow before taxes. So that's a big nice jump bump. up from 8800, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I'll take that. Um, but here's a great thing Now now bumps up from about a 7.5% cash on cash return and a 6.1% cap rate, which again, the way we underwrite these, this is, you know, one of the things that we, we debate with other investors and a lot of times other agents as we're looking at <laughs> yep. uh, their offering memorandum and numbers uh, when we are seeing it now it's a 7.5% cap, I'm sorry, a 6.1 cap and a 7.5% cash on cash return. We're still including the initial purchase price, the acquisition costs, for underwriting into there. Also, that forty thousand dollars estimated repair cost. So a lot of people say, "I'm buying this at you know you know X amount of dollars, and then I put this money in raise the rents. Oh, now it's this cap rate." Well, in our eyes, you still we, had to put money in the property, yeah. right? That's we still money that's out of pocket. Way. yeah. Yep. And so we say, hey, we're going to calculate the cap rate, but we need to we need to account for that extra forty grand he's putting in here. So let's put that in these calculations. So that's actually with an extra forty grand repair cost we tacked on to the, the purchase price to try to give a more accurate number. Without that, it's more like a if you were to do a more you know standard underwriting, it's more like a
0: six six and a half cap to about an eight percent cash on cash return. So even better numbers. I mean, I get excited when I look at the ones we're looking at now at a six one cap. So, exactly. I mean, you know, plenty of upside there.
1: Um, and as we said kind of earlier, you know, good upside here. The property pays for itself. And then once it's stable or you know, once it's updated, stabilized, a lot of times lenders want to see, you know, a six month or so stabilized property before they'll do a refinance. Uh options there to possibly pull out some capital, depending on how the numbers pan out. Uh, but also hopefully put it on a non recourse loan to do a longer term yep, type just secure refinance.
0: Long term debt service. Yeah. Uh,
1: so just overall, a very good transaction, a great long-term play with some value-add. And definitely in this, you know, the five and above, this is where we've been seeing probably the most, like, value-add space. I would agree. I uh, think A lot the, harder
0: in the two- to four-unit range. Yeah, the two- to four-unit range is really hard just because you have a lot of the, you know, residential general public, you know, looking at those properties as well, as opposed to the investor side of things. So um, I think there's a lot of opportunity in that, you know, six- to ten-unit space.
1: Yeah. So, if you guys have questions on this, definitely reach out. We can walk through numbers. If you want to get into these types of properties or buy one, reach out to me, reach out to Preston. You know, we're seeing more deal flow come our way from our network, from the properties we hunt. So, definitely want to get something, reach out to us. All right. Thank you for listening at
0: Preston. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Chris. Always a pleasure.